Today we're going to be looking at an incredible Jesus encounter. We've seen some pretty amazing Jesus encounters so far. But this was perfectly timed and perfectly designed to do three things. Teach, preach, and heal. That's what we're looking at. Classic 3.7 right there, right? It was accidental, by the way. It genuinely was. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of Mark today at an amazing account of Jesus healing a blind man outside of a small town called Bethsaida, not too far from a place called Capernaum, which is on the north coast of Galilee. Um, Let's have a little read of it. So guys, it's in Mark 8, verse 22 to 26. So if you have a Bible there, amazing. If you don't, there's a couple of spares at the front here if anybody needs one. Let me not have a Bible. Who would like a Bible? They're on the Word. Obviously, the Word's are behind me, which always helps. But if anybody would like a Bible and like to read like that, that's absolutely fine. I'm going to stand aside. I'm going to read it from this one so there's no changes. And they came to Bethsaida. Nope. There we go. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man and by a hand and led him out of the village. And when he had a um, yeah, village, and when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him home saying, do not even enter the village. Awesome. This is such a short little passage. It's really, really tiny. It's really tiny. You're talking like six verses for this whole part. But that means it packs a punch, right? So the thing that I love about this when I was having a look at it was that this is the only gospel that records this healing. So often they cross over and um, each writer has like a has a slightly different in, um, account of what happened. It doesn't change, but the words they pick up, the, the, the reactions and the relationships are slightly varying across all of the books. But this one, it's on its own. It stands on its own, which I think is quite amazing. So if it's the only gospel that has it, why, why is it there? Why did Mark choose that this was such an important thing to have a look at? Well, I'm going to break this down to these three bits. One what I've been reading, this is where Jesus' desire to reach the hurt and the lost is a major part of this. Jesus' desire to teach the truth, and Jesus' desire to see us healed. You see, the big thing is that Jesus wants to reach us. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus journeying around the seas of Galilee, stopping at weddings, synagogues, towns, homes. But there's one thing that always connects every single part of the story. It's about people. It's always about people. Mark does an incredible job of recording Jesus' unbreakable commitment to his mission and his endless energy to reach the lost. And that doesn't change throughout every single part of Mark. When you look at it, it's aimed about how he's feeling, um, how, how Jesus is reacting, and how Jesus is reaching, always. Up to this point in the chapter, we have been, he's, Jesus has been crowded by loads of people. He's had lots of rest times and rest points totally interrupted by people. He's had mealtimes completely overrun, even to the point where they haven't happened at all. That must have been painful, coming from, coming from me. I think that would, that would really struggle with that. Okay, not happening. And most of all as well, he's had his family time disturbed. Okay? Yet, he showed compassion and understanding. In Mark 6, verse 34, he says, He had compassion on them because they looked like sheep without a shepherd. This is when he was coming to the shore, and there was all these people waiting, and they just looked lost. And when he had just said to the disciples, you know what, guys, you've had a hard time. Do you want to go take a break? This is the point where Jesus would have gone, do you know what, I really need that break too. But he saw these people and he was like, I can't do that. 
I can't do that. These people need me right now. Okay, forget my break. It doesn't matter. The fact that he had just missed seeing his family, had just missed his dinner, had just missed the, uh, missed the time with his disciple where he was meant to be teaching. Every step before this guy's leads up to a point where any other normal person, any other normal person would have given up and said, right, you know what, just give me a break. Can you want to just slide that bow a little bit further down? Yeah, we're just going to get off in that little quiet bed and I'll hide behind that tree for a while. But he didn't. He didn't even think of that. He straight away went and started teaching all over again. See, what are you like, sorry, what are we like when we're under these kind of pressures? If it's anything like me, I'm fine for a while, but it builds up and it builds up and it builds up and it gets to the point where you crack, you can't help it. You get to a point where you just can't take that little bit more that's been put on your plate and you just start to crumble and that's the point that you reach out. That's the point where you maybe go and need somebody else. Maybe, maybe it's a wife or a girlfriend or just a friend or a family member, but you always reach out at that point. He just keeps going. Why? Because he's the best connection of all. He never struggled, he never found it difficult because he was always in connection with God. For him, his love for people was everything. To the very end, his love for people was everything, right? We need to understand that entirely when we're looking at these verses. Okay, right, I'm gonna get back to the passage. Okay, Mark 8, verse 22 and 23. Okay, so we're gonna read that, Mark. Well, actually, I'll maybe get it my phone. Here we go, right. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand um, and then led him out of the village. Okay, this is what I want to pick up on just now. Okay, it's important to note that nearly all the cases, including blind Bartimaeus, later on, people seeked out Jesus. They looked for Jesus. But I wonder if this blind man showed maybe just a little bit of reluctance. Maybe just a little Or maybe it was just a little bit of shyness. It says that he was led to Jesus. Now, I know he was blind and he had to be led. I get that, right? But Bartimaeus was left to the side of the road crying out for Jesus. This guy was just led to him. Does that that maybe mean something? Does that ring something with you? But then I also thought this. Big crowds. Being the center of attention. Maybe a little reluctant to go in with both feet. And you've been there before. Who's, who can relate with that? Being a little bit nervous of being that guy who's standing up or that girl standing up or maybe being a little bit scared of a situation where you think, right, okay, if I go with two feet, this means everything, right? I can't stop. I'm when I've started, the ball's rolling, okay? Do you not think maybe for a second this guy is just caught in a moment going, I don't know. I don't know. What happens if it doesn't work? What happens if I just look like an idiot? He's left in that situation wondering, but the crowds take him anyway. Partly because I think the crowds really, really wanted to see a miracle happen. They know what Jesus was like. See, I get it. Okay, it might not have been his faith that was struggling. It might have been his faith that was struggling. It might have been his personality. We just won't know. We don't know. It doesn't say. But importantly, though, look at verse 23. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. They took him by the hand. Now, the first time I read that, I read over that. Jesus took him by the hand in the village. That's no big deal. All right. But then Jesus could have instructed the crowd to bring him, uh, that brought him over there, to maybe take him out of the village for him. Jesus could have instructed his disciples to take him out of the village for him. Jesus could have just said, right, come with me. Maybe put his hand on his shoulder and walk him out of the village. Maybe he could put his hand on his elbow and take him out of the village. Okay, you might think, why am I going down this route? But listen, he took him by the hand. You see, when Ruth takes me by the hand, it's usually because I've done something wrong and she needs to tell me at the side of the room where nobody else can see me. 
But also she takes me by the hand when she's walking me somewhere, where we were going like for a walk down the river or something like that, either by the riverbank or maybe on a beach, wherever, she takes me by the hand. When Mia takes me by the hand is often in some way relating to the idea, Mia's my daughter, by the way, she's two and a half, and she takes me by the hand, it's usually because she wants me to dance in a really embarrassingly public place. <laughs> Tends to be. Sometimes it's gymnastics, which is the other game as well, which I'm really enjoying as well. But she takes me by the hand. Egyptian men, they link pinkies when they walk together. See, at first I was like, what? really? It's just so out of our culture. But if you think about it, they link pinkies, they walk along. Why? Because it shows that they are either friends or they're doing business together. They're showing that they're friends or they're doing business together. What's the big deal? It's a sign of intimacy, guys. It's a sign of intimacy. It's a sign of affection. It's a sign of love. It's a sign of closeness. Can you imagine that guy had got there, okay, being taken by that crowd and taken right up to Jesus, and Jesus went, yeah, no, let's bring him this way. Yeah? No connection. No intimacy. Nothing close. See, Jesus met this man and jumped all those expectations that we have socially about how he's going to react with that person. Why is that? See, this is the thing. Jesus already knew him. He knew him because God loved him. And because God loved him, he loved him. He knew it because it was his perfect plan. It was a plan. It was an encounter. It was a moment. It wasn't by accident. It was exactly what he planned it to be. So when he took him by the hand, the thing you can read into that which is so beautiful is that he knew him. He knew him, although they had just got off the boat in Bethsaida and they were just reaching him for the first time. It wasn't Jesus' first time. He took him by the hand. He was intimate. Now, I want you all to notice as well that he didn't continue exactly where he was. He'd already shown that he wanted intimacy with a person. He'd already taken by the hand and started walking them. And he said specifically taking them outside the village. Now, the thing that I really think about this, the thing that I pick up on the most, is the fact that by taking him out of the village, it was going to be a one-to-one moment, right? It was going to be an encounter. An encounter is between two. It's when you have that moment of connection. He couldn't do that standing in a crowded room. He couldn't do that in a crowded street. He couldn't do it on a crowded harbor wall. He couldn't have done it anywhere. He chose to take him out of the village. So by taking him out of the village, it was going to be just Jesus and just this blind man. Even if the man was reluctant, faith grows with intimacy with Jesus, right? Spending that alone time, that one-to-one time, is where knowledge of who he really is comes to light. I've got this great quote. I love this quote. This was highlighted to me brilliantly by Ruth, and I love it. It's by Bill Johnson. Faith is not the product of strength. The result of determination, it is not something that you can choose as a product of self-will. It is the product of surrender. Let me read that again. Faith is not the product of strength. The result of determination, it is not something that you can choose as a product of self-will. It is the product of surrender. So how often do we allow Jesus to take us away, to lead us by the hand to a place that's completely intimate? How often do we take ourselves away with Jesus to a place where we can be surrendered and actually spend time one-to-one with him? A place of pure intimacy that never changes. It's perfect because it's between you and him. How often do we leave those intimate moments to being just in one place with lots of people there? 
Well, you can maybe visibly see that you're maybe making that connection, and I have no doubt that you can, but when are those intimate times, guys? When are those times where you really reach in? When do I reach in on my own to spend time with Jesus one-to-one? When has he led me by the hand out of a situation? That can only happen when it's one-to-one. Okay. That one-to-one time gives you silence. That one-to-one time gives you peace, right? I am a tech teacher. That's my job. That's what I do, all right? I am, guys, I love my job. I think it's, uh, I'm, it's second to none. Second to none. I love it, all right? I love the people I work with. I love the kids. They're brilliant, okay? But here we go, <laughs> right? Metal work. I hate it. I hate it. I hate everything about it, right? I cut myself on it. I got infections from it, okay? One time when I was at university, I was soldering this huge copper drum to to practice silver soldering, and I thought it was going really, really well, but apparently you just meant to take the the solder to to cherry red just to be able to get it hot enough to be able to dribble down inside the seam to make a perfect fix. I didn't realize that, and I was like, well, if you stick it in for a long period of time, it's got to be quicker, right? Not a corner cutter, I just like saving time. So maybe if I just thought myself, if I stick it in the fire and I leave it there until it comes out white and sparking... I will be able to then put the solder against it. Well, it was almost like an orb of energy around the end of the, of the poker. So when I actually put it near the solder, it was melting straight away. I was like, this is brilliant, guys. You guys are all idiots. Look how quick mine's going down there. And it was until my mate looked at it and says, mate, your dreams are on fire. <laughs> and so lo and behold, I looked down and all that solder was just dribbling into the turn off on the bottom of my jeans. There's nothing more embarrassing than standing just in your boxer shorts in a team of 40 people in the middle of a workshop when you're trying to learn with your lecturers. And then from there on in, I never go away with it. Every time I had to solder, they just put a fire extinguisher next to me. And I was like, <sighs> but anyway, I digress. Back to the metalworking. Okay, so I'm in a room. One person metalworking is probably okay for somebody who likes metalworking. Okay, you put 20 kids in a room metalworking and it's absolutely impossible. It's horrible. It's, a, it's, bleh, it's horrible. Why? Because you put a piece of metal into a vice and you start filing the top of it and it's got this noise it's like right one person's fine you times that by 20 you times it by 20 12 year olds deciding this is the best thing that they've ever done in their life so they do it with vigor they do it with gusto they mean it it's hell it's horrible so what do i do jude what would you do in that situation mate (laughs) ouch yeah there we go get a promotion i like that yeah I, had, I, I, didn't, I didn't get that promotion. I just got ear defenders. <laughs> I just got ear defenders. Why? Because they're amazing because they cut them all out. They cut them all out. It's brilliant. But here's the point. Ear defenders don't cut everything out. Ear defenders cut the high frequency. Ear defenders cut the stuff that hurts, that blocks your, your thinking. You know what's left behind? Medium to low frequency sound. That's a voice. Somebody walks up to you and you're wearing ear defenders. Yeah, it's a little quieter, I give you that. But it is easy to hear somebody talking to you. But next to them, they could be banging a gong and you can't hear that at all. This is the point. I need it in that space. When I've got that 45 minutes with those guys in that room doing it, I need to go in my own place where I can just hear the voices, where I can listen to instructions, where I can hear what they're saying and pass on information. If I didn't have that, it would just be racket. I would pick nothing up, no information we passed to and from, because we wouldn't learn anything. How often is that moment of being able to walk away with Jesus just exactly like ear defenders, right? You get that moment where you step away and it's just you and them. All that noise and crowd, that bleh, 
that's around you is gone, right? That's my point. Jesus can take you to that place, but you have to be able to be alone with him for that to work. You need to be away from that crowd. See, now Jesus spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. Do you see anything? Do you see anything? This is a really unusual part in the miracle. Tell you why. In the book of Mark alone, you read through it, the leper, the paralyzed man, the demon-possessed man, the raised the girl from the dead, healing the sick woman, healing the deaf and mute man. There's six encounters that were picked out from the times where it says many healings were done. But they're the ones that were picked out as being separated. Every single one of them, Jesus never asked a question mid-healing. He never asked, how's that going for you? He never said that at any point. What Jesus did was he just purely clarified that they were healed. Or Mark clarifies that they were healed. Why did Jesus do that? Why did he take the moment to say, do you see anything? Tell you why. Because he knew it wasn't done. Remember, there was never anything accidental about Jesus' ministry. Ever. It was never accidental. Everything was perfectly planned. Everything has a purpose. So there's no way that he didn't quite pull his power together in time to be able to heal the guy in one go. No way. See, he knew the man's answer in verse 24. He says, look, he looks up and said, I can see people. They look like trees walking around. I tried this for a while, squinting my eyes, seeing what it was like to see. And I can get what he's meaning. It's a really, it's a really good analogy. Jesus not only wanted the blind man to encounter him, he wanted the disciples to encounter him too. Let me say that again. Jesus not only wanted the blind man to encounter him, but he wanted the disciples to encounter him too. His ministry had taken them from their homes. This is always, I think, oh, in my mind, I don't know, this is me. I lose that in translation all the time. These are young guys. Leave your nets, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He just dropped it and went. They weren't suddenly snap turned into some incredible prophet who could walk around and say loads of great things and heal loads of people. They just trusted him. They just had faith, but they were young guys. You see, when they, he was taken, they were taken away, they saw incredible things, but we can't forget that they were just young. Okay? Yes, they were keen. Yes, they were keen, but they were spiritually blind to so much of who Jesus was and what was about to come. If we look back, we can see such a huge list of miracles that they've been a part of, yet they struggled to grasp exactly who Jesus was. So, eight, um, sorry, I want to read as well Mark chapter 8, verse 14 to 21. That won't be on the screen. So, Mark chapter 8, verse 20, uh, 14 to 21. I'm just going to touch on this, okay? It's just, just immediately beforehand, okay? Uh, yeast of the Pharisees and, uh, and Herod. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf, um, um, uh, sorry, one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought enough bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? Twelve, they said. And when I fed 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? 
Seven, they said. Do you understand yet? He asked. Man, kind of get it. I kind of get it. I don't think I'd have been any different. I think I'd have had the same fears. But look, this is exactly it. Can you not see like Jesus' frustration in the situation? He had taken him and shown him all these healings. He had actually shown that exact scenario to them twice. Twice he, they saw that scenario where it was for 5,000 the first time, 4,000 the second time. And as Thomas touched on last week, that's when it was recorded as men. We have no idea actually the number of maybe others, like women and children that might have been there too. He just recorded the men. They fed all of those, five loaves, two fishes, fed all of those. And now you've got 13 on a boat. And he's worried. And they're worried. Sorry. Can you see his frustration? Have you not seen? Do you not get this? It's the way he says, you have eyes, but you cannot see. And then, as soon as they land, their boat in Bethsaida, the first person they reach is a blind man. Coincidental, I think not. For the first time in Jesus' ministry, Jesus asked the man how, he's, how the healing going. He says, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Accidental? Coincidental? I don't think so either. I think Jesus was taking this opportunity to open more than just the blind man's eyes. I think Jesus was doing far more than just opening a guy's eyes. Because what was to come was the aim of his whole ministry. If you read on from these verses, guys, and I really recommend you do, verse 31, Jesus predicts his death. Verse 34, he uses the phrase to take up the cross and follow me. Chapter 9 is about the transfiguration. These are all just about to come, and he's like, guys, we can't go any further until we've seen something. We understand this totally. Okay, if you've watched these things and you still don't see who I am, we need to step back and have a look at this. And then this happens. He steps into Bethsaida and there's a blind man right there. He asks the question, can you see? He says, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Now I'm hoping, I can only imagine this, guys, and I'm just pointing out this is what I imagine. This is not in the, in the words here. Can you imagine Jesus' face? This moment where he says, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Can you imagine just being to the disciples? You see? Do you get it yet? Are you on board? Jesus wanted to show the disciples they had seen him, but they weren't in focus. They couldn't see him in full clarity. They couldn't see who Jesus was, but yet he taught again in a visual way, a beautifully clear and simple way, one that they could catch on because he loved him. And still reaching a man who was lost. So he did all of those amazing things. He drew it all to one point where he needed everything to come together. There was the blind man that comes and appears. That's the point where Jesus was able to point out and clarify the, the, how, how unfocused they had become. And also heals this man from being blind to a point. So really my question just right now is this. How often are we at this stage, at this stage in situations? How often have you had Jesus right there? How often have I had Jesus right there in a situation and all I can see is the trees? How often have I got to that point where I could have Jesus right there with pure clarity and I've settled for the trees? Me and Ruth moved house recently. It's ace. 
It's great. I woke up every day and it still feels like I'm living in a hotel. It's awesome. It's awesome. I love it. It wasn't the smoothest of sales I've ever been a part of, although I've only been a part of two. It's like, go speak to Emma if you want to know about moving houses. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> But in a really, really short term, guys, this is what happened, okay? House opportunity came up, looked like it was going to be a great one, put in an offer, got accepted straight away. Sweet. Thought it was a good offer. All went well. Then the person being buying my house ended up that they were selling a house in Wales. Apparently buying a house in Wales and selling a house in Wales for other people <laughs> and then crossing over the border of Scotland means that nobody can talk about it. So you couldn't have any legal things passing across the border without it going through somebody else. So there ended up being more lawyers than ever before. And then they found out the whole house was in a well. So that meant that nobody wanted to buy it because they were like, well, sorry, no, because they, yeah, the bank wouldn't offer them any money for mortgage. They're like, that's off main sports supply. It's not going to happen. So it looked like it was going to completely fall through. And actually, when it came to the light party, it was happening for, it was like, so like for around Halloween, we were like, this ain't happening. All right. This is not happening, guys. Month and a half of in, into it, this isn't happening. Already packed up our stuff. It's not happening. But we prayed, and loads of people prayed, and a lot of people prayed. And we had amazing moments, really incredible encounters with people who they were putting everything into prayer for us. Like a light switched. 7th of November came. Oh, yeah, by the way, that water's been tested. It's fine. Carry on. Done, moving in. That's fine, no problem. 26th of November, we moved into our house. But yet still, guys, when the day comes, when all that came together, and I was like holding the keys in my hand beside Ruth on the 26th of November, and I opened the door and I went in, and everything was brilliant. How is it from that point on did I not just go, yeah, you know what? When I ask, Jesus does it. When I ask for something, he's there. Yeah? Yeah, knocking the door be opened. Why is it that I still find myself sitting in situations and going, oh, wow, I'm so alone in this one. Rubbish. Still find myself there because I'm just like the disciples. I'm exactly like disciples. It doesn't matter how many miracles I see. It doesn't matter how many times you see incredible healings or see your life changed forever into a place that's absolute perfection in your mind. The next one comes along, suddenly I'm moaning that there's no bread in the boat. So easy to do, guys. So easy to do. Okay, we've watched God work in incredible ways in our lives. We really have. Incredible ways, and I'm hoping, guys, you've got stories as well, amazing stories of how God's worked in your life. He's got us to where we are now. Never forget that. He's got us to where we are now. His perfect plan is ready, and he is waiting to show us everything in perfect clarity. Verse 25, once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight restored, and he saw everything clearly. The man fully healed. The man's eyes opened. The disciples' hearts fully healed. The disciples' eyes and heart opened. God's love shines through in this beautiful encounter, guys. It's God's love over everything else in this encounter. It's so such a connection between Jesus and the lost souls around him. He not only wanted to heal us physically, heal this blind man, but his whole plan over the top of this was to be able to heal us on the inside. But the only way for that to happen is if we accept him and we let him in. The blind man let Jesus lay hands on him a second time, guys. That's exactly that metaphor right there. He was willing to stand there and take the second time. He was willing to wait on Jesus for the second part of the healing. How many of us may be in a situation where we step out after part one? Do we let Jesus in on a situation to see it fully restored 
Or do we accept the blurry trees walking around as the best we're going to get? Let me say that again. Do we let Jesus in on a situation to see it fully restored? Or do we accept the blurry trees walking around as the best we're going to get? Guys, the blurry trees is a lie. It's not the end. It's nothing close to it. This is not sad or any way pressing, guys. This is exciting and very, very happy. Yeah? We don't settle for second best. We don't. Why? Because Jesus has got a plan that sets you to the top. He's got a plan that's pure clarity. That's the thing that I love about this. He's longing for the second encounter. Jesus cannot wait to get that second encounter. He is waiting. He's asking, can you see yet? Can you see yet? And some of us go, enough. Walk away. But what I'm asking today, guys, is how often are we taking the moment to say, can you see yet? Just a little bit, Jesus. Give me more. I'm praying into this, and we're not done in this situation. We have more to come. Go on, Jesus. Lay your hands on again. Let's see this happen. Is that not the most exciting thing? Is that knowledge of the best news, guys? But here's the point. If we have no focus, no clarity, the kind that only God can give us, then we will spend our whole walk with him on this earth like we're trying to look at him underwater. Content pages in the book. I can now. Guys, think about that for a second. How much are we looking in the water? How much is that fuzzy trees happening to us? Break it now. Break it now. Father God, I pray right now that everybody in this room takes the moment to think, to break that away, to not accept it, Father. Pray for breakthrough in that thing that you really need breakthrough in. Pray it right now. Pray for that person that really needs breakthrough. Pray it right now. Pray for clarity in that situation for the person who really needs it. If it's you or somebody you know, pray it right now. Guys, don't settle for blurry trees. Don't settle for it because we're worth so much more and God knows that. God never intended for you to get just half the picture, guys. Don't settle for half the solution. God is building your faith. God is building your faith so you can surrender all of it. Guys, I'm just going to quickly read that quote again. Because I think it fits right there. Faith is not the product of strength. The result of determination. It is not something that we can choose as a product of self-will. It is the product of surrender. Guys, if we surrender all and we let Jesus take us by the hand, then that's when all that's going to happen, right? That's the moment it's all going to happen. You see, because Jesus reaches, teaches, and heals, none of that ever is an accident. None of it is ever unplanned. It's exactly the way he wanted it to be. But you need him to take you by the hand. You need to stop fighting that moment where he's trying to. Offer him your hand. I want you now. I'm knocking. I'm knocking. I need you right now. This is the moment. This is what's going to change everything. Don't walk at a distance. Because he doesn't want you to. He's never wanted you to. He wants you right by his side. Picture those Egyptian men. That's what I love doing. They're great. It's amazing. All right? Pinkies held. All the time. Just walking together. 
That's all peace for one another. Making it really obvious to the whole world around it. We're friends. We're doing business. That's a great thing. It's that closeness. See, let him take him by the hand. Lead you to a place where you've never been before. A place that is so peaceful where it's just you and, you, you and him, Lord, that ear defenders look pathetic. Ear defenders don't look like they cut it anymore. Because the clear focus that you can have from that second touch from God is going to be the thing that changes your world forever, right? Let him take you to a place by the hand. Let him lead you to that place where it's just you and him. A place where your eyes can be opened to truly see what God has for you. Because guys, it's amazing. Because it's different for every single person here, but every single person has a beautiful plan that's already set up. Jesus is waiting right there like he's stepping off the boat in Bethsaida for you. He's waiting for that moment. Let him have it with you. Let him have it with you so you can have that clarity, that perfection. That moment of jumping in the pool loads of times you've got chlorine in your eyes, but then you put goggles on, it's all grand. Yeah, it's amazing. Guys, can we stand?